welcome to the third session of the recovery course. Tonight's session is entitled Powerless and we're continuing to look at step one. We began looking at step one last week but because of the importance of step one, if we don't get step one right, there's a tendency for nothing else on the course to work. So we spend the first couple of weeks looking at step one. And remember, step one says this. We admitted we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. And with that, I think of the words of St. Paul. Uh, it's from his letter that he wrote to the Romans. And I think many of us here can relate to these words. He said this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In step one, we are admitting that we are powerless, in, in trying to conquer our addictions and our compulsive behaviours in our own strength, and that, as a result, our lives have become unmanageable. As soon as we begin to admit that we don't have sufficient human power to change, we're on the road to recovering our lives. We're coming to see that trying to soothe and medicate our deep hurts, fears and insecurities by using simply does not work. And that denying there is a fundamental problem is actually leaving us enslaved to our addictions. We've lost sight of reality and who we really are. One way to begin overcoming denial is to start accepting certain truths about ourselves rather than trying to deny them. And the first of these truths is to accept the pain is there. Last week, we considered five negative aspects of denial that make our lives unmanageable, and they were these. The first one is denial separates us from God. Secondly, denial separates us from one another. Thirdly, denial prevents us from experiencing true freedom. Fourthly, denial increases fear and anxiety within us. We tend to think it makes it better, but it doesn't. It increases the fear and the anxiety. And fifthly, denial actually makes matters worse by allowing shame and guilt to enter the equation on top of the deep inner pain that we started out with. We get to the point where we can move on when we recognise that the pain we are feeling is worse than the anticipated fear of change. In other words, we would rather change than remain in our hellhole. Understandably, uh, if you're anything like me, many of us don't like change, and we do try and resist it for a variety of reasons. Some of us are angry that we have to change. Some of us feel shame that we need to change. And probably many of us here are afraid that we will not be able to change. And certainly there will be times on this course when we'll say to ourselves, I can't do it. I'm not up to this. There was a time in the uh, Old Testament when King David came to the end of the line and, and he wrote these words, he, he, crying out to God. He said, 
Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. And I think some of us might well be at that point in our own lives. David had got to the point where he would rather face all the uncertainties of change than stay in his pit of despair and pain. So the first truth we need to accept about ourselves is that the pain is there, it's horribly real, and life would be so much better without it. But that will only begin to happen as we face up to it with honesty and courage. The second truth we need to accept is that we are not God. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, he, he said these words, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. In 12-step anonymous fellowship, the guests are encouraged to appeal to a higher power, greater than themselves, or a God as we understood him. John Coates, in his excellent book, No Big Deal, uh, amusingly recalls what his first AA sponsor said to him on this concept. concept. He said this to John Coates, there are only two things you need to know about the higher power. There is one, and you're not it. Big book from Alcoholics Anonymous describes the alcoholic, but it applies to any addiction or compulsive behavior, as a person whose self-will is running amok. As we're beginning to see, when we're out of control and our lives have become unmanageable, all our attempts to control ourselves are doomed to failure. In fact, our attempt to control ourselves by using is what has got us into trouble in the first place, and it's probably why we're all here on this course. It is a higher power, God, who needs to be in the driver's seat, not us. We've been trying to do God's job, and we can't. Only he has the power to change us and bring order into our lives of chaos. In admitting that we are not God and that our life, our life has become unmanageable, we are emptying our life of ourselves and we're giving God the space to begin doing what he's best at, which is transforming us into the person we are meant to be. So, we accept the pain is there, we accept we are not God, and third, we acknowledge and accept what step one states, we were powerless over our addiction. Things will only begin to get better once we recognize our weaknesses and stop trying to change in our own strength. We know it doesn't work. We need to admit that we are powerless and consider turning our will and our lives over to a God who's able to do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. Jesus clearly recognized that only God can do things that we find impossible. Again, in Matthew, he said these words, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. 
So we accept the pain is there. We accept we are not God. We accept we were powerless over our addiction. And finally, the fourth truth we need to accept is that our lives had become unmanageable. I suppose that's why we're all here. That's why you first came on this course. We've begun to admit that our lives have gone badly wrong, and no matter how hard we have tried to get a grip on reality, we have been struggling and failing, and our lives have become unmanageable in many areas. Maybe we can relate again to what King David wrote in one of the Psalms when he confesses, when troubles ganged up on me, a mob of sins past counting, I was so swamped with guilt and I, I couldn't see my way clear. More guilt in my heart than hair on my head. So heavy the guilt that my heart gave out. Once we accept that we are powerless and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we actually begin to lose um, some stuff that has a destructive hold on us. What are these things that we lose? Well, first, as we accept we are powerless and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we begin to lose pride. In the Old Testament, there's a book called Proverbs, and in that it says, a person's pride brings them low, but a person of lowly spirit gains honour. Pride cuts us off from God and therefore the source of our true self. It is the primary reason we are in the state we are. Pride has to go. Pride is a killer. And whenever we see anyone relapse or someone just, their recovery is not working, the root cause is always pride. Secondly, as we accept we're powerless and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we begin to lose our self-pity and regrets. You know, if you, again, if you're like me, we, we sort of say things like, oh, if only my partner hadn't walked out on me, if only I hadn't taken that first drink, if only I hadn't gone to that betting office, if only I hadn't got that credit card, if only, if only, if only. And our life is a series of if-onlys. Elizabeth Elliot wrote this, self-pity is a death that has no resurrection, a sinkhole from which no rescuing hand can drag you because you have chosen to sink. We need to get real and start walking in the truth and taking responsibility for our actions. Third, as we accept we are powerless and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we begin to lose our tendency to worry. It has been said that today is the tomorrow we worried about yesterday. Alternatively, since this is a 12-step program, we can probably relate to what the cartoon character Charlie Brown once said, where he said, I've developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. The serenity prayer says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And all worrying essentially stems from not trusting God enough. This road to recovery that we're embarking on is not about what I can do. 
It's all about what God can do. And as we begin to trust him more, the worrying will begin to go. Jesus, again, in one of the Gospels, it was the Gospel of Matthew, he said this, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Fourth, as we accept we are powerless and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we begin to lose our resentments. Resentments are so destructive. They fester like a cancer deep within us. And as we will begin to see over the coming weeks, by letting go of our resentments and wherever possible learning to forgive those who've hurt us, we're not only freeing the person who harmed us, but also, more importantly, we are freeing ourselves to become the person that God intends us to be. As the theologian Lewis Smedes puts it, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Paul tells us in a letter he wrote, it's called Ephesians, says this, you do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Fifth, as we accept we are powerless and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we begin to lose our sense of loneliness. Paul Tournier said, nothing makes us so lonely as our secrets. It's lonely constantly pretending to be something other than what we truly are. It's lonely when our friends and our families distance themselves from us because of our behaviour. It's lonely when we feel that no one in the whole world can possibly understand what we're going through and the pain we feel. And as soon as we start coming face to face with reality rather than denial, we will find ourselves in a place where we no longer feel alone. And if we ask God, this higher power, to travel alongside us on the, this journey, he will. We will no longer be struggling alone, and he will help us and empower us to fight and win the battles ahead, if we ask him to. See how pride can come back in? I'm happy for God to help me, but first of all, I'll see if I can do it myself. When our life up to now has told us we can't. Often, loneliness is a choice we make. Some of us might be advised to take on board what the 19th century French writer Jules Renard wrote when he said this, if you're afraid of being lonely, don't try to be right. The best cure for loneliness is for us to care for others who are lonely. And on this course, there are others struggling just as we are. I would encourage every single one of us here to love and care for one another. And we will, in fact, enter into friendships that will last for life. Six, as we begin to accept we're powerless, and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we begin to lose that sense of emptiness that has dominated our lives for so long. We're in a place 
where we can tell God how we feel because he really does care. Jesus in the Gospel of John says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Seventh, as we accept we're powerless and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we begin to lose our self-centeredness. By nature, if you're like me, we are all self-centered beings. But I guess many of us here are beginning to discover just how unsatisfactory that kind of life is. When we live for ourselves, we are gripped in a kind of slavery. It's only when we release everything to God that we find perfect freedom. And freedom is God's goal for every single one of us here. Selfishness is at the heart of most of our problems, and yet Jesus promises this. He said, if you grasp and cling to life on your terms, you'll lose it. But if you let that life go, you'll get life on God's terms. Finally, eighth, as we accept we are powerless and that we need to turn our lives over to the care of God, we begin to lose our sense of separation from God. The Bible is the story of God's search for us. So if we're in a place where we feel we can't find God, it may be wise to ask ourselves, who moved? Because it isn't necessarily God. God is not very interested in our ability. He's more interested in our availability. Therefore, sometimes we need to let go of much that we hold dear that has become an alternative God. These false gods, they may be things like um, a relationship, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, uh, money, anger, resentment, our reputation, pride, ego, the need for me to be in control of my own destiny. These are all alternative gods. And once we begin to let go of these, we can then wait in confidence that at some point the one true God will pitch up. Some wonderfully encouraging words by St Paul. I appreciate as I stand here talking about God, and, and I've done this, I think there's no way God could love me. I can see how he loves everyone else in this room, but not me. I mean, he knows the things I've done. He knows the things I've thought. I am so unlovely. Paul writes these extraordinary words that have actually had a massive impact on my own life. He said this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So where does that leave us tonight? First, we need to recognise and ultimately accept that the power to change only comes from God. I'm sorry if that's bad news for some of us here because we were really hoping we might be able to avoid that um, conclusion. But in my own experience, the power to change only comes from God. Second, we need to accept that we are not God. Third, we need to accept the reality of the pain that lies deep within each one of us and begin facing up to it with honesty and courage rather than by using something to medicate that pain. Fourth, we need to start accepting step one, which states we were powerless over our addiction. And finally, we need to start accepting that our life has become unmanageable. If you're beginning, if you're willing to accept uh, all these things, why not start, if you've never done it yet, sharing some of your story in your groups tonight. Pluck up the courage, take the plunge, Share a little bit that you feel comfortable with. We're all in this mess together, and we're all going to get out of this mess together. And if we are beginning to realise that we are powerless, then let's go to the only one who can help us, this higher power, God.